This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to episode number 41 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. My name is John. And this is a, a post-Christmas holiday extravaganza. Yeah, yeah extravaganza may be a strong word there, Mike. This is a post-holiday, my kid's home because daycare's closed. You might hear him in the background episode. Oh, well, still saying post-holiday. You know, we still got New Year's Eve coming up. That's a holiday. Hanukkah is still going on, you know. It's it's a post-Christmas episode. Can we say Christmas these days? I don't, you know, <laughs> I, I think I'm we just can. Messing we're, with a, you. we're allowed, I think. I think we can. It's our podcast. I think we can. Our we friend could say Mary Kwanzaa if we wanted to. We could. We could. Our friend Leah, I think it was, who I saw this posted on the Facebook that this is the first time where the first day of Hanukkah is the 24th and the last day is the first, and that's the first time it's happened in like 40 years. Yeah, the first time that it's crossed over with Christmas. They crossed the streams. Yeah, yeah, and some, everyone's still alive. Yep. Right? So supposedly we could all just be living in a fantasy Matrix world. I don't know, but you know what? feels real to me. Yeah. Right? feels real to me. So this is a unique episode because except for your one show, uh, every other show that I watch is on hiatus. Yes. Yep. That I normally report on. Uh, but I did watch a couple few movies. I did watch a couple uh, Netflix shows. And yeah. So. Same here. Let's just, let's just get this started. Where do you want to start? Well, how about the one show that was here this week? Which was uh, the appropriate Adam Ruins Christmas. You know what, sir? Go for it. All right. So this was – it was a lighter episode. There was not a lot of stuff in there that's, like, super surprising because we all know that there are different ways that you can say, oh, this, this, this. You know, oh, we don't know about Jesus' birthday, etc. We've all heard that stuff. So he went with a few more obscure facts along the way. One of which was that uh, the Puritans, when they came over here and founded America, uh, they actually banned Christmas. You were not allowed to celebrate Christmas, which back then was like the Saturnalia. That seems like an accurate thing for them to do. <laughs> yep, because they hated how rowdy and excited all the parties got because, you know, back then when it was celebrated in uh, Europe, England specifically, it was more Saturnalia than anything. And so it was raucous and you'd dress up and you'd get all rowdy and party. And uh, so they banned it when they came over here. <clears throat> and it stood that way for many, many years. But basically, if you were caught even hanging up a decoration for Christmas, uh, you'd have to work harder. They, they'd make you do more work because they were all about work to keep your thoughts pure and clean. So you had to do, you had to do chores? Uh, yes. And if you didn't you have chores, chores. Yep. And yep. if you didn't have enough, then, you know, you'd have to do chores for your neighbors and such. So that was interesting. Uh, he talked about how It's a Wonderful Life, you may have known this, when it first came out was a flop. 
The, yes. The critics hated it. Everybody hated it. Nobody would go see it. It was such a failure that when the copyright came up, nobody renewed it. So, yeah, it's a great movie, though. Well, that's the thing is uh, what happened was because there was no copyright renewal, it became public domain. So all these TV stations around Christmas time were like, hey, this is free. We don't have to pay royalties on it. Let's play that ad infinitum. So, so pretty soon everybody was playing it all the time around Christmas. So everybody else got to watch it and was like, you know, this is a pretty good movie. And it became popular that way. And now the original creators, if they're even still around, would be kicking themselves. So does anyone have the copyright to it? Negative. It is public domain. Isn't huh. that neat? So that means that, you know, you could write your own version. This is why you see all these different TV shows and movies that do, you know, like, well, this is the Simpsons version of It's a Wonderful Life. This is, you know, the Librarian's version of It's a Wonderful oh, Life. okay. Because they don't have to. It's like how Sherlock is now in the public domain. Well, see, that was the thing that I, I was kind of puzzled about because, like, the only – channel that even aired it when i was a kid that i can recall was was like a big like even either thanksgiving or the friday after thanksgiving tradition on nbc channel six yep um i don't even did any channel even air it this year i mean i know i don't get all the cable oh, yeah. channels but i don't i don't oh, yeah. recall tnt tbs um i want oh, to say the Turner. yeah okay yeah <laughs> i know the wife and i like to watch it every year we have it i yeah. own the movie so it's a great I think it's a great movie. It's a classic. I mean, it still holds up in my opinion as far as, you know, the story, the humor. I mean, and know. it's kind of a uh a standard, you know. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, it there's is. a million of them out there that get compared to it that say, you know, oh, this is this version of It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, you're basically telling a story of It's a Wonderful Life. Everybody <laughs> kind of knows it. You know what? That that format or that storyline if you will from It's a Wonderful Life is copied just as much as Groundhog's Day. Yep. That repeater episode or the time loop episode, I mean, that's done. I mean, there's multiple movies, multiple episodes of different TV shows, and it's either done great or done horribly. But but most people would refer to it as, oh, that's a Groundhog Day episode. Exactly. Yes, yes. Even though um, Groundhog Day by itself is not a holiday about repeating things. No. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, Christmas Story was another one that when it initially came out, it wasn't – a big hit and then it found new life with repeated TV airings and then VHS. Yes. And now it's, it's a holiday like similar in similar vein to wonderful life. It's a holiday classic. Yep. Absolutely. That's beloved so much so that someone bought the house, uh, that was featured in the movie and it's now a Christmas story museum and re free had it redone exactly like it was in the movie. So see, that's cool. A Christmas Story House is what it's called. I want to go see it really bad. Yeah, I'd check that out at some point. Yeah. So, sorry, I don't, continue I don't with that. It would have to be around Christmas. Um, no, no. He uh, he said that the original legend, if you go all the way back, the original legend of Saint Nicholas was that he was a saint who had a giant pickle barrel filled with infant body parts, and he performed miracles that reformed those body parts to actual living uh, babies, brought them back, and, and reformed them from severed limbs to functioning human beings. Got to say, I've never heard that one before. Yep. He was wearing a sweater that had a pickle barrel on it. And he goes, oh, this is much more traditional than a, than a Christmas tree or anything like that. And then he went on to explain that, and I said, Wow, I've never heard that before. I've, n I've never even heard a hint of that one before. But I guess that would also go on to explain why you see Christmas pickles in different places. 
Yes, uh, Buddy Aaron, I think, or no, uh, Josh or something. Someone was just recently discussing that they hide a pickle on the Christmas tree, and the first person that finds it, they're the one that gets to open the, their gift first at Christmas. Nice. They get the first gift. And I also have heard the tradition of people putting a pickle ornament, you know, in their tree. Not hanging on the tree, but you put it in the tree. So. Right. Yep. Huh. Interesting. It is interesting. Uh, yeah. The one big thing that was very interesting, but it was also math-related, was he was talking about how um, gift-giving destroys the economy of gifts. And it it sounded weird because they were like, you know, oh, well, gift-giving is um, – it stimulates the economy because you're spending money and you're buying stuff. And he said you're actually right. destroying the economy. And you would have liked it because uh, they used The Rock as a uh, uh, example. You know, yep. he was he was in his friend's house and he goes, okay, that giant stand-up of The Rock that you have over there. And it was old school. It was classic when he still had his hair on his head. And, you know, he had the black trunks and the vest. Oh, nice. And, yeah, had the little cock to the side. He's like – You've got the rock over there. He's like, what's that worth to you? She goes, well, you know, it's worth $100, but I got it for only 50 And he's like, okay, so you basically created $50 worth of economic boom right there because it's worth $100 to you. You paid 50 so, you know, you got $50 extra. <clears throat> so then he was having people give her different gifts based on her love of the rock. So, like... Her boyfriend gave her a TV, uh, a TV, a T-shirt that had a picture of him on it that said "Rock the Vote," and she's like, "Oh, great! Um, I guess I'd wear this to bed." And he's like, "Well, what's it worth to you?" She's like, "I don't know. I might pay fifteen bucks." And her boyfriend's like, "I paid fifty bucks for that." And he's like, "Okay, so you just created a thirty-five dollar gift deficit." Because it's only worth $15 to her, but you spent 50 on it. So you actually overpaid by 35 of what it was worth to the person receiving the gift. Oh, jeez, bro. And then one of her relatives, I believe her mother got her a DVD of The Rock's Cousin and she pulled it out. She's like, Roman Reigns, this guy's garbage. I wouldn't pay $3 for this. And her mother's like, but I paid 25 And she's like, okay, well, now you created a $22 gift deficit. And then her aunt gave her just a giant boulder. At which she would pay nothing for. And he was explaining that basically, like, we, unless you're really good at picking out a gift for somebody and you really get them something that they'd enjoy, most times, <clears throat> based on just like, oh, this is what they kind of like, you're creating a, you're overpaying for things that they undervalue. So you're actually damaging the economy. Uh, it's like people who go to these charity auctions, you know, and there'll be a hundred dollar thing on there and they pay like $600 for it. Right. Like, Why would you do that? Well, it's for charity. That's one thing. But in this case, like if I look at something, you know, if I look at a lightsaber and I'm like, you know, I don't know, that's cheap. It's chintzy. It'd probably be worth like 10 bucks. And you're like, well, I paid a hundred dollars. Well, you got ripped off, sir. You know, well, I thought it was for you. Well, I get that, but, you know, I don't see the value in it like you wanted me to type of thing. So it was math heavy and it was a little bit, I don't want to say depressing, but it was a little bit not Christmas spirity. I don't know. It sounds like he's reaching. No, the, he actually had an economist come on who said that this isn't just for Christmas. This is all over when we're buying gifts for birthdays and celebrations and stuff. He said that it does create a counter economy in this kind of uh, system. It's just not something that we want to think about. <laughs> okay. Okay, fair enough, I guess. Yeah. 
But he said that, you know, a good way to counter that is either uh, going on wish lists where people say, this is what I want, or yep. gift cards so that they can pick out what they want. And that makes sense, I guess. See, I always find, I mean, like, I don't have a problem with gift cards per se. Like, mm-hmm. I love them, especially yep. like food ones or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. The wife and I got it. Yeah. I mean, like, the wife and I got a fee for Christmas. So we have looking forward to, you know, going to Liberal Cup or going to Red Barn or going wherever, you know. Yep. Um, but. Sometimes I, I prefer to buy someone a gift that I, I think that they would like. Yes. You know, like, I don't know. Well, regardless. So. Yeah. What else did he cover? Was that, that everything? That was basically it. Yep. Yep. You know, a lot of the little, uh, <clears throat> tradition, the, the whole pickle barrel thing, he kind of kept going back. You know, it was like, oh, what do you think? Uh, the origin of Santa is, you know, and they'd talk about, well, what about this? What about pagan stuff like that? And we all know that. You know, the, the Catholic Church co-opted December 25th because it was part of Saturnalia <clears throat> so that they could get the pagans to come over to their side. Basic stuff like that. But yeah, it was a pretty good episode. And what is next week? God, I can't even remember. Next week is something that I was looking forward to and I can't even remember it now. But you'll have to wait till next week's episode to hear. Because we've got another pretty light week for shows, don't we? I think he muted me. Oh, sorry. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of. We do. I mean, we'll. I know. We'll. I know us. We'll get to talk and we'll stretch it out. But yeah, it's yeah, a little week the, of sauce this week. The uh, the next couple of weeks, like a couple shows might come back here and there, but for the most part, we're not getting any of our regular weekly shows back until mid no. to late January. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well we'll we'll get enough in there. I think so. So what's something you watched this week? Uh well I'll I'll, I'll talk about something new before I talk about something old. All right. Uh what about something a new borrowed sh- and blue. Uh. <laughs> I'm not getting not getting married, fella. <laughs> uh so there's a new show on Netflix called Travelers. Have you heard of it? I've watched the first five episodes. Okay, so I can't. I don't know if I've watched the first five myself, but I did work, watch at least the first two. Okay, I, maybe three. I'm thinking two. Um, so essentially, I mean, the show opens up with several people are in being in various scenarios. Like there's a woman who's being attacked. There's a guy fighting, and it looks to be an underground MMA fight. There's a domestic abuse situation going on. There's a guy going, you know, doing drugs, or he's going to do drugs. And during each one of these encounters, you see, like, a screen that kind of, on the screen, a thing pops up, and there's some weird, like, symbols, and eventually you see it says time of death, and there's a countdown. Recorded time of death. Sorry, that's right, recorded time of death, and there's a countdown, and the person engages in whatever activity that their their scenario in rather you know they're being attacked or they're in a you know unsanctioned fight or they're about to shoot up heroin or whatever drugs it is and eventually we see the clock it counts down to zero and as it gets closer to zero you see the person appears to have some sort of massive attack like a headache or something going on it's not quite a seizure because they're not seizing but they're they're incapacitated with this horrible headache and then the clock hits zero and their headache goes away and then it changes to yellow and it starts counting up one two three and then the person seems to get up and and now they're, they're awake, but they're not really familiar with their surroundings. They start acting like they're a different person. 
and then whatever scenario they're in, either, you know, they fight back or they get out of town or, or whatever it is, you know, I don't want to give it away because I think people need to watch it. Mm -hmm. And essentially these people that have been awoken, um, we, we come to learn, I'm just going to throw this spoiler out there because it doesn't ruin the whole series. And it's in the trailer. So yeah. Uh, essentially what it is is they are travelers from the future who have determined that if they have the <clears> – there's, there's, I can't remember what the, the code is. I didn't write it down. But they have the certain information like the lat long of where the person is and some other information and the time their time of death, they can take the subconscious of a person from the future – and a consciousness of the person from the future and implant it into someone just before their death in the present. So they're not taking over people's lives that are still alive. They're taking over people's lives who should have died. Right. And essentially, you know, they are, they have directives where they're supposed to maintain that person's life or continue going about that person's life. Um, but at the same time, they have missions. They're there for a reason. They're there for a mission because of some sort of catastrophic accident that has altered their future. It's not looking very bright where they are, and they're trying to change that. Yes. And that's the pretty much the whole synopsis in the, uh, of the series. I mean, that's the first episode. The first episode ends um, – with all that being revealed, and basically their leader of their group is uh, Eric McCormick, who played uh, – no, he wasn't Will on Will and Grace, but Eric McCormick. And he was um, – yeah, he was Will on Will and Grace, right? I yeah. believe so, yep. Yes, he was. And he's also the co-creator of the series, and this is a Canadian-British TV show. And a Facebook friend of mine had watched – binge-watched the whole series – back a month ago and it was touting how much he loved it. And uh, I thought when he was talking about it, he linked it to that old Will Traveler show that ABC canceled after a few episodes, but uh, regardless. Um, so I've watched a couple episodes. I really like it so far. And uh, I'm looking forward to see where it goes. I love it. Um, I, like you said, you know, they, they come back to right wrongs. I kind of related it to like a group effort quantum leap. Kind of thing. Yes. Yes. Um, well, well, I don't know. Actually, they're, they're trying to right the wrongs of the future. Yep. As a whole, but as far as like if they deviate from their mission or whatever their mission is that day, yes. Then like there's a there's a director in the future who yes. can see what they're doing, and they can take over the the mind of a small child to have them deliver a message, and it just happens briefly. And there's because travelers. They say children's brains are still malleable enough that they can uh, take that and not With, explode, basically. Yeah, no lasting, you know, damage or anything like yep. that. And it doesn't always work out well when they go back in time, right? When they, when they, you know, when they interject, uh, inject a, a, a consciousness of someone from the future to the past, it doesn't always end up happening correctly. You know, they can't predict every aspect of what they're being basically leaped into. Yep. Um, but they're also like, there's one of the guys on the team, you know, he has probably apparently an idyllic memory and he has memorized all these different people that could be travelers and where they are and all these things that are happened that have happened in the past. And he has these knowledge of them. And one of the things in one episode he tries to do is to, save some people that he feels they don't need to die because he can help them prevent them from being killed. 
And the director's like, nope, that's not your mission. You're not supposed to be doing that. Right. Yeah. Little, so, it's creepy when little kids will suddenly just pop up and look yeah. at them and be like, traveler, you are off mission. Yeah. So, and, and they're not supposed to interact with each other except for they're like, like they each have their own little team. Yep. And they're all not allowed to interact with anyone outside their team acknowledging they're a traveler unless they have permission. Unless they're given direct orders, yes. Yes, yes, exactly. And if they do, you know, they're in violation and this and that. So it's it's and interesting. It is interesting. Uh they tell you right off that there are thousands of travelers around. So it's not yes. like it, it's not like this one team is it they're trying to because you always wonder that in shows like you and I yeah. always had that question about person of interest. Why is it just Manhattan? Yes. What's happening right. in the rest of the world. So, exactly. you know, there are thousands of travelers around there and they're picking people up left, right, and center. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this yeah, person's going to die. But they go into that kind of stuff later on to a degree that it's satisfying without having to be overbearing. You know, they talk about how um, th- there's different um, – what am I trying to say here? Standards, you know, how they – they look at some people and they're like, oh, we thought he could have been a host, but blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, so it's not just like, oh, this person's going to die tomorrow. You know, they're not going to jump into an 80-year-old MS patient who's on their deathbed because yeah. that wouldn't make sense. But, like, one guy leapt into a drug addict, and even though he was never a drug user prior to leaping in, he is now a drug addict himself. Like, he has a – his body still has that dependency on the drugs. Yep. Whereas another girl leaps into this person who had a, I'm just going to say a diminished mental capacity. Yes. And spoke with a stutter and everything. And now all of a sudden she, she doesn't have those things. So there are some, there are some ways where they can improve the host they're jumping into. Yep. And other ways where their host hurts them that they're jumping into. Well, it's going to be interesting with her because I think it was still in the first episode, maybe the second one, but she like grabbed her head at one point and had a mild seizure. She had a seizure. Yeah. And said there's too much damage that's already been done to this brain. Exactly. Yeah. And that was one thing where she was able to leap into that body, be smarter, not talk with a list, uh, with a stutter. And you know, she's has more confidence, Mm -hmm. but also, like we discovered, like the, the the brain of that person is damaged to the point where it's affecting her in a negative way. Right. And, so, and then you run into interesting things, too, like the fact that Eric McCormick is in the future. Apparently, he was with one of his teammates, you know, one of the teammates yes. on his team. But in yes. the past here, they have separate lives. She has an exactly. abusive ex-husband and a child, and he yeah. has a wife. Yes. Yeah. It's so a good it's, show. Um, it is a good show. It's it's very good. Um, you know, because it's a apparently because it's a Canadian and BBC show, there's some uh, adult language in it. Yes. Yeah. And um each episode is about 55 minutes long, let's just say. Yep. Yeah. So, well, I'm enjoying it. I, I how many episodes in total is there? I forgot to write that down. 12. Yeah, okay. So 12 so far. So that's definitely a show I'll be finishing up. Absolutely. Uh, I had actually finished the OA and that popped up on my screen. I was like, oh, okay. And I watched like the first episode and went and told my sister and my friend Kelly, I was like, you guys got to watch this show. And now they're watching yep. it and loving it. So definitely if you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably enjoy this show. It's fun. Um, I also watched the OA. Did you watch it all the way through? I watched every episode. I forced myself to finish it. Excellent. Yeah. 
Sounds like we're on the same page here. Good, good. I there's a couple of people I've taught. Like Martin is just like his show is phenomenal. I'm like, are you really watching it? <laughs> like, are you paying attention to the screen? Um, I'm gonna just I, I I'm all I'm all done with travel. I'm ready to move on to OA because yep. we're there. And uh, this was eight episodes. Uh, they varied in length from like we talked about last week for just over an hour to what 31 minutes for episode well, the six. First episode was an hour and a half. Most yeah. of the rest were like 50 minutes, 55 minutes. Yeah, and then episode six was like 31. For some reason. <laughs> yeah, and, and basically like OA stands for Original Angel. Mm-hmm. And, and basically um, it's it's a very – this is my s- summation of it, and maybe I'm wrong. But to me, uh, the more the episodes passed, the more it became more and more like a very – pretentious art project of this creator who's also the star of the show. Her and this other person created it. And it feels like this is this really just pretentious art project of something that they looked at and thought was amazing and somehow talked someone else into agreeing with them eventually because apparently they've been shopping this around for a couple of years before finally someone greenlit that uh, for them. And uh, I think there's there's got to be some regrets there because most of these Netflix shows, before they even air, they're, we're being told they're being picked up for a second season. Right. Or like they start airing and midway, you know, like after a week they've been on Netflix, like, oh, we're into a second season. And this, this has not been picked up for a second season. And if it does, I'll have to question whoever makes that decision. <laughs> I think that there's a reason that this one kind of was a stealth release. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no fanfare. There was no hype. It was just like it came out on a Friday and on Wednesday they were like, oh, by the way, on Friday you'll be able to watch this. And they put it yeah. up on their front page and yeah. they, they put it front and center. See, I did not hate this show, but I definitely I, did not overall – I don't know. Like depending on the day and how I'm feeling about it, some days I give it about an 87%. Some days I drop down to like a 47%. I liked the first episode. I thought the first episode was really good. Yep. I I saw what you meant by how the opening credits didn't pop into an hour in. Yep. Yep. And it was done well. Yep. You know, I I enjoyed the second episode. I thought the second episode was really good. And I was like, wow, this is a good show. Yes. About the time, and maybe it was the third episode, but about the time where the doctor tricks her into going into the pod. Yep. Was that the third or the fourth episode? I think it was the third episode. Okay. So, and that's how it ended was that he tricks her into going into the pod in the basement there. Cause she's blind. Yep. And I was like, Ooh, what the frig is this? And then I think the fourth episode, it still had me. I was still like, this is a decent show. You know, it's, it's kind of, and then it then it just got weird and went like, off the rails. It went tremendous. It took a, a hard left that I wasn't expecting, and I'm just like, "What the frig is this? We these, they're drowning. This is all about near death experiences or post death experiences. So he's drugging and then drowning these people, and all of a sudden now the blind girl can see again because she got hit in the head with a what? See, and had a near death experience, and so she could see. Yeah, the because show started some, off feeling supernatural. Yeah, you yeah. Know? The, it, we get introduced to this girl who tries to kill herself by jumping off a bridge, and she 
It, she's been missing from the town for seven years. We don't even find out that full story no. until much later on. But she's blind. She was blind. Now she can see. So it's like, oh, how did she get her sight back? What happened? And then she starts telling this story about how when she was a little kid and she had premonitions, they made her nose bleed. And then the premonitions came true, but in a twisted way, you know, she wasn't in an aquarium. It was a right. bus and she was drowning yeah. and she drowned. And when she came back, the, the witch woman from the other dimension took her eyes so that she wouldn't have to see the horrors of the world. And right. we've got this whole supernatural bent to it. And then it turns into a domestic captive yeah. Experiment science thing. And it's, yeah, this, this doctor's experiments on them because he's trying to learn or prove that there's life beyond death. Yeah, that there's something else out there so yeah. that people can feel better. And apparently it's him and this other doctor who are each doing their own separate stuff. We find that out later. Yeah, yeah. And, but, okay, and then all of a sudden there's something to do with, like, five movements. Like, these weird, like, like ritual dance movement things that involves making weird noises like (sighs) (sighs) and like sticking their friggin fingers in their mouth and I I don't know and it was like I'm like what the frig is this this is the dumbest like and and it's supposed to heal someone I don't know it was dumb it just got dumb and the more they delved into these movements and we need to be revealed the fifth movement and then like how do you let someone drown you every day for six years? How is there not permanent damage? How is there not permanent brain damage from this? Brain you know, damage, I, lung damage. I mean, just you can anything. say, I'm yeah. bringing them back, but your lungs are filling with water, so you're dying. And then yeah. he brings them back, but you're going to scar the body. You're going to scar the brain. Mm-hmm. It, it really felt like a stretch that these people could be killed over and over again in that method. It'd be one yeah. thing if he was injecting them with something that slowed their heart rate and they died, like right. flatliners kind of thing. Yeah, but even flat – I don't know. And then the stupid – they find some woman with ALS and they do their little four-movement dance around her repeatedly and she somehow is miraculously healed because they're angels who heal people? See, that's the thing. is, And then she teaches them the fifth movement? Because when she was a little girl, she had Ah, a vision. Pretentious garbage by then. Yeah, it it was – the supernatural aspects of it never got off the ground because they were too busy like – trying to cast doubt on whether or not it was supernatural. Yeah. Instead of saying this is a supernatural thing, they were like, but yeah. we're going to make sure that you doubt whether or not it's supernatural. Why do you have to do that? And uh-huh. yeah, I, I had talked to uh, my friend Kelly about this and she liked the show. Um, but we both agreed that above all else, the one thing that was the most ridiculous was those stupid hissing noises that they did during their little interpretive yeah, dances. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. it's one thing. You look at magicians of old and stories of wizards and how they had to have hand movements and flourishes right. and, you right. know, to cast their spells. That's one thing. But then when you start getting into <laughs> it's ridiculous and it really oh. felt forced and stilted at the same time. Oh, and then, and what about the fact that uh, she teaches them all the dance because they're gonna, she, they're gonna help rescue Homer and everything. Yep. And then there's the, then they, then they cast doubt on her that this really happened. Yep. Because they find a stack of books 
Which there's no way she could have, if you look at the timeline, there's no way she could have had those books. Right. Like yeah. she would have had to order them, but it's only been a couple of days and Amazon's just not that fast. Exactly. But she has all these books like, you know, Homer's The Odyssey and, and different things. The and like, arcs of Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, are they trying to usual suspect us on this? Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like she made it all up because of this and then they somehow like, oh, she lied. And then they realize, oh, hey, no, she didn't lie. And then they're all at the school together because these are all school age kids. I was going to say, I, I think we have to take a step back here because the yeah. they that you're talking about. Sorry. She, yeah. She, she goes out and recruits five people. She says, I need five people who are strong and flexible and they need to come to this house because she lives with her adoptive parents. We find out later that they're her adoptive parents because they liked her that she was blind and thought she'd be easy to manage that way. Um, yeah. And in this little – Well, the mother. The mother did. Yes. In the father just went along with everything she wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was one of those neighborhoods where they started building a whole bunch of houses thinking people would move in and then the economy collapsed. So now there's a bunch yeah. of half-made houses. So they have to meet her – at night in these houses for one yeah. hour at a time because she's – we find out again later that she's made this agreement with her father that she needs to be able to have one hour a night of walking alone time to clear her thoughts. Right. You know, from like 11 to midnight. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and one thing that they never went back and touched on was she told them that they had to be strong, they had to be flexible, which clearly the teacher was not flexible. Um, right. And that they had to leave their front doors open when they left. Yeah, which we uh, we have no idea what that means. Right? What, they yeah, never, they went never back addressed to that. And then when someone closed their front door, they didn't address like, "Oh, it broke the chain." Right. Exactly. And then you had, I don't know, you had a ragtag group of people from this school, all different walks of life, who normally wouldn't hang out together, but they are now because of this, and a teacher normally hate each other. Yeah, exactly. But now they're a family and they're strong together. And one kid's a wicked troublemaker. And <laughs> like I'm not even going to get into that. club kid in the throat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm not even going to get into that storyline because I don't, I don't care to waste time explaining it. So the end scene of the, of the whole series, and I'm just going to say it because I don't care, is they're in the school and then there's a random kid that shows up with a gun. And start shooting. And they never actually show this kid's face, by the way. Right. And they never show him shooting anyone. They just show him shoot. Well, I don't know. I don't recall him seeing actually shooting anyone. But he, he shows, shows up a few times the- off screen. Yeah. But the kids in the lunchroom freak out. They've been chained in. The kid walks in the room. Everyone hits the deck. And these, you know, four people, five, five people look at each other and they're like, Let's do it. And they all stand up and do this five movement charade dance that apparently distracts the gunman. And all I'm thinking while this is going is like, shoot them, shoot those five people now, <laughs> shoot them all, make them realize how stupid this is. Because I wanted to go with the storyline that she, that, that she really was delusional making it all up. And then they gave her some last minute hope that no, everything was good. And, and it wasn't. Because they just all got murdered for no reason uh, because they stood up and did this stupid interpretive dance of five movements. That was just <laughs> dumb. Uh, but instead, it distracts the gunman long enough for someone to tackle him. And then he fires off some random shots. And one of them, of course, shoots Prairie, which is the name of the OA that they call OA. Anyways, shoots Prairie in the chest. So she gets a nice sucking chest wound. And her last scene is getting hauled off to the hospital. And... 
I don't even care. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was hard to uh, swallow. Like you said, the more episodes went on, the more I was like, this was really hard to watch. Like, yeah. I liked it less and less because, it, and I didn't even care about the part where they were trying to discredit her, you know, whether right. it was right. figure out. It, it just, it felt disjointed. It felt like none of it was continuing to make sense. Now, I've read, I, I decided to give it the benefit of the doubt, and I read some stuff online to see, you know, if everybody else was as disappointed with the ending as I was. People were saying things like, oh, well, I think when they did their dance, they healed him because he was obviously a troubled person and they healed the part of him that made him want to go and shoot up the school. I'm like, eh, maybe, but if so, then that's a very subtle nod. Um, Why was the door chained to the cafeteria? You know, he was coming from the other direction. Why was that door chained? Yeah, he, he, wouldn't, have had time to chain, he wouldn't have had time to chain it up. This yeah. isn't leaning on me. Yeah, that's a fire hazard. We're and, not keeping the, the drug dealers out. And apparently when she's uh, – I missed this part, but apparently when she's being taken by ambulance down the road, there's a whooshing noise, which was what the Dr. Hap there had described. He heard when uh, Soul was departing the body, so – and the thug life boy there heard that, and so that's why he said it's happening. Yeah, uh, and was chasing after her. But okay. I, I, I it's, it was stupid. I don't have to like it. That's the thing is, you know, I didn't hate it, but yeah. I definitely like. If a second season came out, I would be very trepidatious. Probably wouldn't watch it. I, like I, the, the first four were okay, and yeah. then it just started tumbling downhill, and it, it, because yeah. like it started getting excessive you know we spent so much time with them at this doctor's cabin where he was holding them prisoner and all the different intricate like the the homer the jockey guy because he had kidnapped these four people including her because each of them had had a near-death experience and so no no they had all flatlined yes not near death they they were clinically dead and had flatlined because they made a point of all of them saying how they had Flatline. Right. That word was used. Yes. Um, and, and so he brought them all here and you'd lose track of time the way she was telling the story, but apparently seven years had passed, but you've got Homer who's like, uh, she's now, the doctor is allowing her to come upstairs and do chores for him because she's blind. So he's less worried. She'll run away. But of course her house isn't set, his house isn't set up for a blind person. So they have to like make all these changes and add braille to stuff. And it, it was really weird that way. And he like basically acts like he's involved in a relationship with her in his mind apparently. Yep. Yep. But yeah. so Homer says, Oh, well, you've got access to upstairs. So what you need to do is you need to go into the medicine cabinet in the bathroom and find my class ring that I stuck in there years ago. Yeah. But like, like. The guy didn't come across that at some point and be like, whoa, I guess I got to get rid of this. He's like, you got to find my class ring and you got to mail it out to this address because that's where my son is with his mama. And that way they know I'm alive. And she's like, why don't I call the police? Yeah. Why don't I call the police? No, this is more important. This is my son. He's out there and doesn't know that I'm, I'm alive. Yeah. But if we got the police involved, like she's having a logical argument with him. She's like, if we got the police involved, they could come out. No, it's more important that my son sees my ring and knows that I'm alive. He's out there right now. He's my son. This makes no sense. 
A lot of it never made sense. Or the fact that, you know, they finally had a fifth member in their little cage community. Taz Vega. Yeah. Stepping down in a role. (laughs) And so you would think that each one of the five would be given one of the five movements. But no, it turns out Homer got two of them because this other girl never got one. So what was her purpose? Oh, wait, but they only got four movements, so that means two people didn't get a movement. Right, because when they got the fifth movement from the ALS girl that they healed, the doctor then quickly killed her and her husband. He was the sheriff. Luckily, they were hugging when he shot one of them in the back, so they both died. Right. And then and then he basically took Prairie, and that's when she got free because he drove around the middle of nowhere and dumped her on the side of the road because now they don't have five of them to do the five movements. <laughs> and he drove off. Oh, oh, even worse. I have the fifth movement now. I don't need yeah. you. What? Yeah. Right. Because he's been watching them do their little movements on the monitor. You know, he, he, never, he was practicing himself. In the seven years that he had them captive, he never hooked up audio, but he hooked up enough video to watch every movement of every one of them in every cage. Yep. But never hooked up audio so he could never hear them having their secret conversations. Correct. What? Made no sense. And then people online were talking about how, oh, well, you notice when the ALS woman did the fifth movement as she finished, her husband came in and hugged her and then she got shot in the chest through him. And then when they did the fifth movement in the cafeteria, that's when Prairie got shot in the chest. Maybe that's the ultimate thing is that when you do the fifth movement, you get shot in the chest. I'm like, that seems like a pretty dumb flaw for the five movements. Yeah, I don't know. It was stupid. It uh, just got stupider as it went on. Yeah, I ultimately, I, I tried to be redeeming about it, and, and I again, I don't hate it, but I just, I did not like it, especially when you've got shows like Travelers that are more cohesive, more explanatory, and more fun generally. You know, I mean, Netflix is is doing a good job. Um you know, they're releasing a lot of new stuff or they're, they're releasing a lot of shows and some of them aren't true Netflix originals. I mean, they aired in other countries and they yep. just kind of bought the U.S. rights and everything. But, um, you know, they, 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 they're going to put a, a dud out there every once in a while. I will be interested. I'm going to be watching to see what happens if they call back for a second season or – you know, what happens with this. I want to find out because it, it bothers me at times like this. And maybe this is just something wrong with me mentally, but when so many people go out there and are like, Oh, you got to check this out. Oh, it's so good. And then I watch it and I'm like, this wasn't good. I didn't like this. It makes me wonder if it's an emperor's new clothes kind of thing, you know, where everybody's just fooling themselves and they saw something online that said this is a great show. So they're saying, oh, well, it's got to be a great show because I saw that everybody online likes it and it's really not, but they form their opinions based on other stuff. Or is it really that I'm missing something and my tastes are just that different? Yeah, I've kind of had the same dilemma recently myself as far as like there's a particular independent professional wrestler that I'm just not really that big of a fan of. But people whose judgment I trust yep. really like this person. And they're just like, how can you not like him? Like, what? what's the hang up? And so I've had the same discussion with them. And I, I'm kind of frustrated with myself about it because it's like I trust and value these guys' opinions about this person. So what is it they're seeing that I'm not? Right. That's exactly so I, it. I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I read online one person was saying 
Uh, one idiot at some website I'm not going to put over basically was saying that this was better than Stranger Things. Oh, and I'm that's like, incorrect. Well, you have lost so much credibility. You've lost every credibility in the world. Sorry, <laughs> Stranger Things, but OA is the supernatural hit of the summer or some shit like that. OA's. That's I'm somebody like, who what? paid what? to have that opinion. What? What? Yeah. Like that is just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. <laughs> Anyhow, moving on. Yeah. Yeah, so watch OA with trepidation. Be careful because yeah. – oh, one interesting little side fact, the FBI guy, which this also made no sense in the show. Like she gets approached by a, a writer who wanted to write the book on her story and they're like, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. And yeah. as a result of that, she's now talking to an FBI guy. It, yeah. it was like – we forgot that we were doing a story where she's going to have her story written down in a book, but she's going to talk to an FBI guy. That's like her grief counselor, and she only agreed to talk to him so that her mother would give her that one hour of alone time. Yeah. So it was a barter trade-off anyways. The, uh, that FBI agent was yeah. the kid from the night of, the one who gets in trouble and they thought, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So I saw him and I was like, oh, good for him for doing something else. So, yeah, um, away doesn't, uh, again, not a hate, but definitely did not impress me to the point where I'm going to recommend it to everybody else. In fact, I was trying to steer a few people away from it. But yeah, same here. Same here. Kelly really liked it, so, you know, she she saw something in it I didn't, and it makes me kind of doubt my, but whatever. Yeah, I shouldn't. You're Moving right. On. <laughs> You're right, because I'm right. So when I was younger, uh, I used to watch uh, a show on PBS called Are You Being Served? And I believe I've yes. talked about it in a past episode. Yes. So, and I had forgotten all about this till recently, but uh, as part of some sort of Britcom celebration in the United Kingdom, a uh, few of their older shows that have been canceled for years, they basically, they just did an episode of the show. So, um, they did an episode of Are You Being Served? And, um, you know, they had to recast all the roles, obviously, because people were either dead or too old or whatever. And, uh, it aired in August of this year, and I found it online and watched it online. I watched it on YouTube. And, uh, you know, I gotta say, it was really well done. I mean, it was made in 2016. It's set 1988, takes place right at the end of this, uh, of the of the original series where it ends and then it's like this picks up where the other one ended and you know it explains how a certain character's died and been replaced it explains how another character has come back because he had retired in the original series and now he just was spending too much time at home with his wife so he came back to work and you know it starts out with a uh, cuz at the end of the final series uh, one of the staff members left the store, and so they had to hire someone to replace. So this this episode is, you know, we were introduced to the person that was hired, and you know, again, it's just a one off. It's thirty minutes long. Excuse me, hiccups. It's uh, thirty minutes long. It's got the same humor of the original series, and it's just done really well. And at first, it is odd seeing different people play those characters, but you get over that pretty quick. And um, yeah, so if you like the original series, find this episode and watch it because it was really great. Nice. And on top of that, while I was looking for this on YouTube, I finally found the pilot episode called Beans of Boston. 
and Beans of Boston aired on CBS on May 5th, 1979. And this was the American version of Are You Being Served? And I previously looked for this pilot and couldn't find it anywhere online. So I was pretty excited to stumble across this. Um, it was the, the producers of the show are, was, uh, uh, Lloyd and, uh, Croft who did the original series. They did this as well. They produced this Americanized version. And essentially it's the actors are different than the Are You Being Served series because this was actually produced in 1979 when that British series was still on the air. But like all the characters are the same as the British series. So you have a Mr. Peacock, Mr. Humphreys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And a couple of big names that came out of it um, – we're like, uh, see here, uh, John Hillerman, who played Mr. Peacock in the show, was better known as Higgins from Magnum P.I. And Charlotte Ray, who played Mrs. Slocum, is better known as Miss Garrett from The Facts of Life. Um, so this is just a pilot that never got picked up. And it's got, uses the same lowbrow British comedy as the original, but for some reason it just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't have that feel to it. Maybe it's because there's no British accents involved, so the humor doesn't quite get delivered the same way. Um, but it was just kind of neat. So again, if you're, if you're a fan of the show, this is on YouTube. It's actually called, Are You Being Served Pilot American Version? Instead of calling Beans of Boston. Okay. So Interesting. Yeah. Again, it's just something fun that I've stumbled across and I was like, hey, alright. So... Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Um, I know you have a show to talk about, but where I'm at, just so you know, is I have a, a few movies to discuss and some trailers, and that's about it. Nice. Um, I uh, I caught up this week on The Librarians. I don't know if you've ever watched this show. I haven't, but I feel like I should. It's Well, here's the thing. Okay, so The Librarians started off as a TV movie years ago with Noah Wiley and Bob Newhart. And, uh, Jane Curtin. And it was the librarian and I can't remember what the first one was. It might have been the Spear of Destiny. Uh, but they were basically three TV movies and they're cheesy, but they're fun. You know, they, they're like, um, they're on TNT and it's a similar vein of Indiana Jones or Hidden National Treasure, right? Indiana Jones or Warehouse 13, I'd say. You know, they have these, ancient artifacts that are very powerful and in the wrong hands, they could cause a lot of trouble, but they're all based on something historically significant. You know, the Holy Grail Excalibur. Excalibur is actually a sentient sword that barks like a dog and acts like a dog. So it's definitely got some high, high cheese factor to it. Um, the TV series is based on those and it's, in a way, a handing off of the torch, like the legend is always that there is one librarian and that librarian is kind of like the superhero, you know, they announce themselves, they'll go into places, I'm the librarian, it's like, whoa, the librarian's here, oh my god. They don't technically have superpowers, but for some reason they're just really able to do just about anything. So the series follows three potential librarians and their guardian, and uh it's fun but it's it, it gets cheesier and cheesier. It's got some aspects of twilight zone type stuff. Um some of the episodes get a little bit darker, but for the most part they're very cheesy and very lighthearted and sometimes almost very very grown worthy. And so I caught up and uh 
you know, the first season was very good. It had a very cohesive thread that you didn't realize until you got to the end. It was like they were collecting all these artifacts and all of them were being brought together for one reason you didn't realize again. Uh, the second season was good, but it got a little bit off track. And the third season so far is really, really, like, I'm questioning why I'm still watching it. It's... It's cheesy beyond cheesiness sake. I watched the last episode, uh, excitedly because it had Sean Astin and Felicia Day, two big nerdy stars that I like. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, and it involved a carnival, you know, an evil carnival where people were forced to play in the carnival games against their will. So that was good, but it is a very cheesy show and the jokes are over the top. I don't know. It, it's it's fun if you just want something mindless and foolish to put on in the background. I would strongly suggest watching the three TV movies, if you can find them on TNT, before watching the TV show if you want to get into it, because they do reference back to those several times. Um, but otherwise, if you want something that's just fun and lighthearted and cheesy, yep. there you go. But yeah, so I'm caught up on that. That that was about it. And then cool. pretty much everything else that I watched this week was movies. All right. Well, um, I watched an old flick called Deja Vu. Okay. Came out in 2006. Denzel Washington. Do you remember this? I feel like you've talked about this before. I don't know. I might. I don't think. Maybe I. I don't think I, I feel like about we've it had last this week. exact conversation. Okay. Well. Anyhow, I guess you're just experiencing some deja vu. I was going to say, for those slapping their foreheads at home and saying, Mike, yes, I'm making a deja vu joke. I picked up on it. Excellent. So it stars Denzel Washington, Jim Caviezel, Val Kilmer. And it's basically, it's centered on a domestic terrorist attack in New Orleans. Again, 2005, it takes place, I think. So before Katrina? Yeah, I don't know. No, it came out in 2006, so maybe they filmed after Katrina, or they filmed before and then it released after. Because at the end had a weird, we're dedicated to the people of New Orleans thing, so I feel like it had to have come out post-Katrina. Gotcha. So anyway, uh, there's a domestic terrorist attack in New Orleans, and there's this rudimentary time machine that they use to solve the case. And but the the science in it's really hinky and kind of wacky as far as like how it's never really explained explained how they're able to see in the past. Um, other than it was they were working on something else and this was a byproduct of it. So, anyways, so basically, um, they use this to solve the case of the domestic attack and Denzel Washington's like this top ATF guy who's can look at a scene and just kind of absorb the whole thing and notice anything wrong with it pretty quick because uh, even though they're in the looking into the past, it's done in real time. So they can't rewind. They can't go back. They can only see what they're seeing four days and seven hours ago or something like that. What? Know. So they can look yeah. back in time, but only like in wonder. What? Yeah, this again, the science on it's really hinky and it's kind of weird and it's never really fully explained, but ultimately it really wasn't a bad movie. It's still the decent kind of whodunit movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that, that bugs me. I knew it would. 
Mm. Yeah, but but you like the movie? Yeah, overall, I didn't hate it. Okay. Yeah, I watched it on the Stars app. So. Okay. The next three movies I watched, I watched all on Netflix. So when I talk about those, you guys can watch them on Netflix. <laughs> While you're talking about them. Well, post. Once you hear me talk about, I feel like I want to go see that. They're all on Netflix. Well, hit me up with one of them so that I'll want to go see it. Uh, it's called uh, "I Am Not a Serial Killer," okay. and essentially, this guy, this uh, the actor's name is Mac Records. Max Records. He plays uh, John Wayne Cleaver. He's an awkward teenager who's been diagnosed as a sociopath. Uh, his mother owns the local funeral home. He is very interested in, in a lot of things to do with the dead bodies. And he kind of reminded me of like, this is teenage Dexter. Okay. You know, like he realizes that he's supposed to act a certain way or he thinks these things are supposed to bother him or like there's scenarios where like he's being bullied and like, and he doesn't want to act out or be violent. So he like, smiles in response because that's how he because he just basically he'd rather you know he talks himself into you should do that as opposed to act on your instincts of gutting this person gotcha and so um but basically like i said he's a diagnosed sociopath his mom owns a funeral parlor he has way too much access to dead bodies um not that anything does anything to them but it just it enhances his like kind of morbidity about things and he is essentially the only one that can hunt down a paranormal a paranormal serial killer played by Christopher Lloyd. Well, I do like Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, I do as well. This movie was actually really good. I did like the uh, supernatural twist at the end. I wasn't expecting. Um, yeah, so I, I would definitely check it out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I can get behind a recommendation with Christopher Lloyd in it. And he plays the bad guy, so <laughs> Which it's different thing. for him. Yeah, yep. it mixes it up. Definitely. So what you got? So you had some movies? Uh, yeah. I uh, One of them was I was laying in bed at night and there was nothing on, and I flicked over because I saw there was a movie on that I had never seen before, and I had – no desire to like get up and put it in Blu-ray or anything like that. Yeah. And I did not enjoy it. I ended up like playing games, you know, on my iPad for yeah. most of the movie, but it was called Paper Towns. Hmm. Okay. It's an older one, uh, you know, probably early 2000s. Uh, it was Cara Delevingne back before she became so popular for her modeling and, and Enchantress and stuff like that. And it's a weird teenage kind of thing. Like she was always the rebellious girl next door and she was always going out and having adventures and she'd leave these clues for her sister to let her know that she would be okay and she'd be back after a while. And he was the straight-laced teenager, you know, who was getting good grades and trying to fit in at school and had his two nerdy friends and, you know, they had the three-man nerd squad because there's always got to be that, you know. And then one night she decides to get revenge on all of her um, ex-friends, you know, her ex-boyfriend who cheated on her and her friends who covered it up and didn't tell her. So she solicits the help of this nerdy boy next door and says, come on, drive me around. We're going to commit felonies and 
punish all these people because I'm the rebellious girl who just, you know, gets to do her own thing. And they drive around in one glorious night and do all these things to get revenge so on these kids. So it's a and wild night out coming no, of age story? No, 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 it's not. You're getting ahead okay. of yourself, sir. Sorry. Because, Sorry. Because they just have this one night out where they perform these revengey things quickly. And then the next day she disappears. And he's like, whoa, she's disappeared. But then he sees that she pulled down the shade on her window, which is never down. And it's got a band on there. And they go over and they investigate her room and they start finding these clues. And they follow these clues and they get this other girl from the school who wants to help them. And, you know, they all follow these clues to find out where she went. And he finally finds her and he's like, I'm in love with you. And she's like, you barely know me. She's like, why did you come here? And he's like, I followed your clues. And she's like, I don't know why you did. Like, I just put them there to let people know that I was okay, but I didn't intend anybody to follow me, you stalker. And basically oh my God, him, sounds so stupid. Basically sends him packing back home, and then they have the obligatory homecoming dance or prom or whatever, and everybody feels better about life and generally happy and, yeah. If you're jonesing for a teenage love story kind of thing, like th this was the worst version of The Girl Next Door, which I loved The Girl Next Door. I thought that was a great movie. That was a good flick. This was a bad version of that kind of story. Okay. All right. Well, there so you I go. I do not recommend. Got any other do not recommends on your list? No. Uh, yeah, actually one. Sorry, I, I have two other movies, and one of them is a do not recommend. Surprisingly, Midnight Special. Do you remember seeing previews for this? I have, and I've heard some mixed bag reviews about it, so I'm glad to hear that you watched it. So go ahead and tell me yes. why I shouldn't watch it. Okay. my If you wanted me to just sum it up in like one quick line or one quick couple of lines, this felt like a Netflix original series that I came in halfway through. And it did not – I didn't have any of the backstory, and it did not end satisfactorily, okay? Like, maybe I got – maybe this movie took place on episode 7, 8, and 9 out of a 12-episode series. How's that sound? Oh, that's weird. Um, so basically, it opens with them peeling cardboard off the windows of a hotel room. Like, they've duct taped up all this cardboard over the windows and the door, and they're peeling it off, and it's nighttime, and they're throwing this kid in the back of a car. It's Michael Shannon and this other guy. And it's still weird seeing Michael Shannon with hair after his time as Zod. Um, and they're driving him along a road at night. We find out that there's a cult that's after them, and... See, this is where it gets weird. Like, we, we know that there's a cult after them, and we have a whole scene where the cult is meeting and they're congregating and there's one guy leading them and talking to them, and an FBI guy and several agents walk into the compound, and they walk up to the podium, and he's like, look, man, I'm just letting you know we're taking all your people, and the guy's like, okay. And he's like, just so you know, guys, these guys are FBI, they're here, they're going to be taking us away, and they're going to be talking to us, and everyone's like, okay. So they kind of file out, and they round up every member of this cult very peaceably, and then they start doing interviews with them, talking about, you know, what do you think? And, and what about this? And they're like, oh, we're going to be saved if this child is with us on this day. And, and, and if he's not, then we'll all be damned to hell. And meanwhile, these people, you know, Michael Shannon and the other guy are driving this small kid who's reading comic books and wearing blue swim goggles across 
a, a highway road and they're being very careful. You know, they've got a police scanner and they hear that, you know, their vehicles being looked for and they're turning off their headlights at times and, uh, wearing night vision goggles so that nobody can see them. And they, they never really explain much of anything. It, it, they meet up with the kid's mother, which is Kirsten Dunst. Um, at one point, they they take shelter with a guy who apparently used to be part of the cult, and so he's helping them escape with this kid, even though they never really say we're escaping with this kid. Um, and then they wake up in the morning, and the guy is staring at the kid while the kid's laying in bed, and there's like blue beams of light coming out of the kid's eyes, and this high-pitched screaming noise and the wall starts collapsing of the house and sunlight's pouring in and they calm the kid down and the guy's like, I just had to see again. I had to see again. And then we find some of the cult members talking about how they can like, when you look into the boy's eyes, you see this most perfect world and it's amazing. And (sighs) yeah, so I don't know. Sounds like garbage. At one point they're, they stopped at a gas station and Michael Shannon's like, I gotta go make a phone call. And the guy's like, well, I gotta go pay for the gas. And they're like, we'll leave the boy in the van. He'll be fine. And so of course the boy seems is not like a fine. bad idea. Yeah. And he gets out and he's walking across the parking lot and this woman comes up and she's like, are you okay? Are you all right? And Michael Shannon runs over and he's the kid staring at the sky. And Michael Shannon's like, you leave him alone. He's my boy. He's okay. And she's like, well, you should watch your boy. And he's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. And then the boy's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I'm sorry. And he looks up at the sky and these meteors start coming down and striking and making the gas stationary explode. And they drive off really fast. And like, I thought that it was because he was reading a Superman comic and he had just asked them about kryptonite. And I was like, oh, did this kid just conjure kryptonite out of thin air? Like, is he recreating the Superman thing? No, he says that he had to pull a satellite out of orbit because they were spying on him. Um. I'm thinking, yeah, okay. how, how do we know this? And it's a very unsatisfying trip to where he's got to go. And the it's one of those shows that is in love with its own mystery, so it doesn't want to give you the answers. It's like one guy sitting over there being like, I know the story, but I don't want you to know it, so I'm just going to dole out little bits here and there. And ultimately very unsatisfying at the end. Very unsatisfying <laughs> through most of it. I was excited. I remember seeing the previews for this in the movie. Yeah, and yeah, really sounds like a complete disappointment. It, and it was a complete disappointment. Like I said, That's it really funny. felt like episode seven, eight, nine out of a twelve episode series. Like I've got no backstory on this cult. I don't yeah. know. I don't care about any of them. You know, two of the bounty hunters from the cult. I guess they're these two guys. One of whom right. was the investigating officer from the Night of. So I seem to keep coming back to the Night of somehow. Oh, that's um, funny. But they are tracking down this kid and using their super detective powers to yep. figure out where he's going. Yep. And where these guys are taking him, but they know where they're taking him and. I don't recommend. I, I say no. Well, I watched a movie this morning uh, that I just literally found this morning and it had like a four-star recommendation for me on Netflix. It's called Waffle Street. Came out in September 2015, and essentially it's the true story based on the memoir of James Adams. He was a vice president of a multi-billion dollar hedge fund who was fired – uh, from his job after the 2008 market crash. 
And uh, he basically he felt guilty over everything he did while he worked at this hedge fund company, not because any of it was illegal, but to him it was immoral and unethical. But because it wasn't illegal, it had to be okay. And now his twenty twenty vision is no wait, I made poor choices. So after searching for a job for weeks and he can't find one, and he's really depressed and he's really feeling guilty about everything he did. He ends up taking this job at a local diner, or it's not a local diner, at a local chain or something. I don't know. It was called Papa's Chicken and Waffles in the show. And so I don't know if it was Waffle House in real life. Okay. But basically, he takes this job as a server. Um, and, you know, the story unfolds where he eventually maybe wants to buy a chain. He has to work a minimum of 1,000 hours before he can buy a chain, according to the book. And. Uh, you know, it's just, it's actually just a really good movie. It was kind of a fun movie. I didn't really recognize anyone that was in the movie other than Danny Glover, who played the fry cook. Uh, the main character, I guess he was, has an episode of, or he was on a CW show back in the day, uh, One Tree Hill or something like that. But, um, from what I did some, looked up to see what he'd been in before, that was what, you know, you may know him from this. But, um, oh, it was a really, really good movie, actually. Just a fun little movie. Nice. So you did enjoy it. You did have fun this morning with it. Yeah, I did enjoy it. I liked it a lot. And, um, yeah, it's on Netflix. And it's it's based on a just memoir of this uh, this guy, you know, who felt uh, he was redeeming himself. And he felt good about himself working at this job. So. Okay. That's a fun flick. Nice. Like, you know, fun with flags, but way better. No. Um, and then there was another movie that I watched overnight that had been in my queue for a long, long, long time. And Netflix gave it like a five-star recommendation. And it's called Bad Night. Is it K-N-I-G-H-T? No, no, Aww. N-I-G-H-T. And it basically it came out in 2015. It stars two... As it says in the description, YouTube personalities. Oh no. Oh yeah. And it's these two high school girls who mistakenly, who get mistaken for two famous art thieves. And it's a wild night out type show. And essentially is these two teenage girls are staying from high school are staying at the same hotel at this uh, class school trip as these two um, famous art thieves. And they both have a driver that's supposed to pick them up. And of course the driver. They get confused over to, you know, which duos which, and I think hilarity is supposed to ensue, but it kind of, I don't know, it's actually not bad, and then it hits like a point where it just gets really bad. Like, the acting all of a sudden is really bad, the storyline's really stupid, the twist isn't that much of a twist, and even with Molly Ringwald being in it, she can't even save this thing. So, I mean... I don't know. It wasn't really horrible, but I wouldn't waste my time with it. I mean, I'll never watch it again, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's unfortunate when that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. But, you know, I, I've had two movies on there that are, I'll never watch this again. But yeah, they were, like, I, I don't know. Like, I wasn't expecting anything out of paper towns. Like I said, it was just something that was on and I was like, Oh yeah, why not? And, exactly. But, but midnight special, I was really expecting. I was excited. I, I was, I like Michael Shannon. Yep. The trailer actually looked really good. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
I was surprised how it kind of like most people I know didn't like it. And then to hear you not like it, I mean, yeah, that's too bad. Yep. Truly is too bad. It is. But I did have one movie that I was looking forward to and I saw that it was coming on like Cinemax or something. So I recorded it up and watched it and I had a blast with it. What was that? That was the movie Search Party. Not to be confused with the TBS original series that's on right now featuring the girl who played maybe in uh, Arrested Development. This is the movie Search Party, and okay. it starred – it's one of those that has a bunch of lesser-named comedy actors that we all like, like Adam Pally, T.J. Miller, Thomas Middleditch, uh, Shannon Woodward from uh, Raising Hope, Allison Brie, uh, Lance Reddick was in it, Kristen Ritter, uh, Jason Manzukas. It was it was a collection of great people, and the con it, it was a fun concept. It's one that you've heard before, but basically, like the three friends, the three main friends, Adam Pally, T.J. Miller, and Thomas Middleditch. It's Thomas's um, wedding tomorrow. He's getting married to Shannon Woodward. Yes, I remember this movie. Did you watch it, or did you just see I the preview? Did no, no, I watched it. Allison Brie's in it as well. Yes. Um, no, I did watch this movie. I liked it. Yes. Yep. So for those who haven't seen it, basically it's their bachelor party for him and, you know, they're getting high in the back of a van and he's just kind of questioning. He's like, you know, is she the right girl for me? I'm sure she is, but you know, I'm just kind of wondering. And so TJ Miller takes it upon himself to say, nope, she's the wrong girl for him. I've got to stop the wedding. And so he does the next day. He comes in and says, no, you said in the van that she wasn't the right girl for you. And he's like, no, I was just questioning. So she takes off, leaves him at the altar. Yeah. It was weird to me because like, generally speaking, like this, this type of movie, when you read the trailer, something about it's, it all takes place before the wedding, and it's a story of discovery where he finds that he really does love her, or maybe he doesn't, or this, that, or whatever. But it's never like some jerk friends, like, <laughs> ruins the wedding. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, that's why it stood out in my mind. And T.J. Miller, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for his comedy stylings. Oh, I love T.J. Miller. Yeah, yeah. I, I love his uh, – he's got a podcast called Cashing In with T.J. Miller, and it's him and – Oh God, I want to say John Cash, but basically it's a comedian that I had never heard of until this podcast and they'll do this riff back and forth. And it's always one of these where, um, you know, Cash has a guest star lined up and he'll tell us about the guest star and he'll, he'll like psych us all up. Oh, this is who it's going to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. and then here we go. And then TJ Miller appears, you know, it's always TJ Miller and they always act surprised, you know, what, who, what, what, why are you, what, what are you doing here, TJ? Oh, well, you know, I, I got off a crocodile and ended up here and it's always a lot of fun and randomness. Yeah, that's cool. But, but yeah, so th- this girl leaves him at the altar, and then we flash forward a little bit. She's on the honeymoon down in Mexico, and he decides that he's going to go down and profess his love for her. You know, he talks to his friends, and they're like, oh, you should just tell her what you feel. And he's like, good, I'll go down there. And he somehow ends up down there carjacked, naked. The, the, the fun thing is that we don't get to see a lot of what happens on his adventure. We just see the results. So, like, he calls them up naked, and he's like, I've got no car. I've got no wallet. I've got no clothes. So then they have to go down there and find a way to rescue him from Mexico and nudity and Meanwhile, maintaining the job. Yeah, it's weird to see Adam Pauly play basically the straight man because he's usually the goofy friend that TJ plays. So 
it was odd, but it was also fun. And, uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was a fun movie. It had a lot of good, uh, supporting cast. You know, uh, Kristen Ritter and Jason Manzoukas played a completely psycho couple who, yes, it, Jason Manzoukas is a, uh, uh, like a Vegas type performer. The, the amazing Hugo who does a lot with like throwing knives and shooting crossbows at girls on spinning boards. <laughs> and they, uh, <laughs> they take Adam Polly up to the room to shave him down to steal his kidney, but they've never done it before, so they're just like estimating. Oh my God, yes, that's right. <laughs> they're like drawing marker stuff on him and shaving parts of his body, and then they're like arguing over which part of him they have to cut and how they're going to do it and who they're even going to sell it to. And and then he wakes up during all this. And... Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, that, he, that but is he's paralyzed from like... the neck down. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, right. So yeah, hilarity ensues with the rescue of him, and nice. <laughs> he wears a aquamarine uh, pantsuit through most of it because his dry cleaning got mixed up, and it, it, it's a lot of fun. If you like just a goofy, adventury, stupid comedy, mm-hmm. uh, Garfunkel and Oates both cameo twice as the uh, wedding band, and the second song that they sing at the very end when you know they're at somebody's wedding is hilarious because it's the, uh, it's their wedding song, which is basically, you know, this is the last penis you're ever going to have inside you. This is the last vagina you're ever going to touch, you know, and it's upbeat and it's like supposed to be celebrating, but it kind of makes you think like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is kind of a negative <laughs> message, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I would watch this multiple times. This is the kind of thing that you can laugh at multiple times. Say, and- I actually want to watch it again now. Yes. Cause Ben, long enough that I haven't seen it that I've forgotten about it and hearing you talking about it now. Yeah. It's bringing back the memories. I want to watch it again. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Did you watch any other films? I checking my notes and I don't believe that I did. Well, I watched a couple of trailers and these are trailers. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say we, we both watched a movie that we talked about talking about this week. Did you want to talk about rogue one now? I'd like to finish with it. Okay. Giggity. I'd like to finish on a big, yes, positive note. <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> so I had a little bit of TV news and a couple of trailers. Um, I watched two trailers this week and I feel the same about both of them. I feel like, I feel like the filmmakers are trying to say, Hey, this is a sequel. We don't need to show you anything in the trailer, but unless you watch the other movies, or had any knowledge of the other movies, these trailers really don't make a lot of sense. And the first one is uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yes. Comes out next October. Basically, all they show you in the sequel is Ryan Gosling's in it, Harrison Ford's in it, and it's Blade Runner. Yes. And he's talking about how I used to have your job. Yes, exactly. So, and and essentially, I looked it up, and basically, it takes place, uh, I think it's 30 years after the first movie, and uh, Rick Deckard, which is Harrison Ford's character, uh, Ryan Gosling's character is looking for him because he disappeared. Okay. And obviously he finds him because we see that in the trailer. Yep. Because Ryan Gosling's character is the new Blade Runner of like the future NYPD or whatever it is. So I – um, yeah, it, it wasn't it, – it's just one of those things where if you hadn't seen the first movie, then you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Yeah. And here's the thing. Blade Runner is a classic for a reason, you know? It's, yeah. There's a lot of movies like this where yep. 
it's going to be just about impossible for a sequel to capture the magic of the original because Especially of this. yeah yeah because of the way that it was worked out yeah. the way that it had twists and turns the certain reveals and stuff you're not going to be able to recapture that as easily in this day and age and, and this and, if, and there's plenty of people that maybe they've heard of Blade Runner but they've never seen it right because it is such an older movie and if they had never seen it then it's definitely this trailer doesn't make you want to watch it. This trailer was for people who have seen the first one and loved it. Plain and simple. You're right. It, it's yeah. not for a new audience. Like a new audience would look at yeah. this and go, I don't know what this is. And I'm, I feel the same way about the, the uh, Alien Covenant trailer that came out. The Red Brain trailer came out. Movie comes out this May. And this timeline-wise, it takes place – It's a it's a direct sequel to Prometheus, which, which was a roundabout prequel to Alien – but this is a direct sequel and to Prometheus and a direct prequel to Alien. And that's where this movie fills the gap. That's why and it's even called Alien Covenant. And again, when you watch the trailer, you don't see the alien in the trailer. Yes, you do. Well, you do, but you don't. You, they don't blatantly show the alien. You see the alien's tail. Yep. And then you see her through glass. Yep. And so you see the, never, the one guy who has an alien exploding out of his back for some reason because you know but, they always came but, out of the chest every other. But time. you don't see the alien come out; you just right. see him screaming and like, "Oh, something's happening." But the simple fact is, if you've never seen Alien or you've never seen Prometheus, this trailer wouldn't make any sense. No, but I think this that, is a space movie. Yeah, I was going to say, out of the two of them, I think people would be drawn to this one even if they hadn't seen the other ones because they'd be like, ooh, this is a space movie and it's going to have an alien and it's going to be creepy. But the main person that they show that was from any of the other movies is Michael Fassbender's character from yep. Prometheus. Yep. You know, the android. But if you've never seen Prometheus, then you wouldn't know. Or if you didn't realize that this was a sequel to it, you'd just be like, oh, Michael Fassbender's in this movie. So, I don't know. I, I'm going to watch the movie. I mean, okay, the the teaser poster is awesome because the poster is just like the alien's face coming out of the darkness. On the bottom, it says May 19th, and on the top, it just says run. Nice. That sells me to watch this movie. <laughs> but I, I kind of um, get that. And they don't even have, like, Alien Covenant anywhere on the poster. It's literally right. just... But watching this Red Band trailer even, which I guess it was Red Band because they said the F word, um, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't sell me on, hey, this is, you know, pretty on, as far as movies goes, it's right in between these, you know, these kind of one okay movie and one really awesome movie. So see, for me, I've made it no mystery since day one that I did not like Prometheus. I thought it was oh, I terrible. I know. Um, so to see this preview and see Michael Fassbender as the primary character, even though we get to see more of the alien in this, I shook my head. I was like, yeah. no, you know, for me, there were only two alien movies that mattered. And that was alien and aliens and alien. The first one was a suspenseful thriller. You know, there yeah, was that a, really was a, that was a horror movie. Yes. True, true, yeah. Yes. There was a single alien and it wasn't even there for most of the movie. And it was just scary how it was creeping, how it was hiding, how it was taking people out one at a time. And, you know, the first face hugger scene and they didn't know what they were. It was a great movie for that kind of suspense. Yes. Aliens was completely different, but it was 
awesome as its own thing. Aliens yeah. was the overrunning of the station. Aliens yes. everywhere, swarms, herds of them. I mean, it flipped it completely and said, oh, you thought one was scary. Wait till you see a million. And that yep. one was scary in its own right. And I loved it. Alien yep. 3 was terrible. Alien um, 4 was garbage. Horrid. Horrid. Yep. I, I actually, I did not mind the uh, Predator vs. Alien movies they did. Uh, I didn't mind those. Uh, I didn't think they were, I didn't think they were horrible, horrible. I, I don't know continuity line where they fall with the other alien movies. Right. I think they um, fall after, after. Yeah. But I, I, like I, I didn't mind them. games based on those. Uh, there you go. Some sort of redeeming quality. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I know that this is about, um, TV and movies and stuff, but I watched a trailer this week that I have to give props to for an upcoming video game. Yeah. Based on the Friday the 13th franchise. Oh, I've heard a lot about this. This was a project. I'll, I'll be quick for people who are like rolling their eyes, but this was a project by two guys who were huge fans of the original Friday the 13th games, uh, movies. And so they started a project where they wanted to keep the spirit alive, but they couldn't yeah. name it Friday the 13th or anything like that. So they had a killer at a uh, summer camp. And as they were building it, the people who own the copyright for Friday the 13th looked at their work and said, why don't you just call it Friday the 13th? We'll give you the rights. And they flipped a nut and they were like, oh, my God. And so they've been working on this passionately for a while. I watched a lot of video games that are in production and seen them as they go over the years. And it's like, eh, it becomes disappointing or it's exciting. You know, you look at Final Fantasy 15, which just came out, and it was like 10 years in development. This one's been going for a couple of years, and the footage that I saw was awesome. It looks and feels just like a Friday the 13th movie. They've even got some parts where you're playing the game and suddenly the screen goes wonky like it's a glitch in the VHS tape. You know, it's got the static bars on the screen. It's awesome. If you have any interest in Friday the 13th or a video game based on that, you've got to check this out. It's going to be awesome. And that's all I'll say about that. No, that's cool. Um, I saw a couple TV previews. Okay. Uh, one was for, it was a trailer for the new Taken series, which is apparently a prequel to the movies. It looks like garbage. That's all oh, I gotta say. Yes. It looks like garbage. And then the other was Riverdale, which is supposed to be, <laughs> it's a CW teen drama based on the Archie series. Yep. And it is very, very CW-ish, very <laughs> drama-ish. I love that we've added CW as an adjective. Oh yeah, it is, it is not. No. It is not good. See, it does not look good. See, here's what happened, is they took the Archie comics in a more mature direction. They, they had him fighting monsters and zombies and stuff. They even killed Archie. And, yeah, and, and yeah. comics got more popular and they sold more and they were like, oh cool. And now the CW comes along and goes, hey, we should cash in on this. And, yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of like what you were talking about earlier in that if people never read the Archie comics, you know, you've got an entire generation of kids that have never read the Archie comics. They don't know what they are. They don't know Jughead and Veronica and Betty. They're going to love this show because you're right. It's CW. It's 90210 supernatural style vampire diaries esque twilight ish, yeah. whatever. A lot of teen drama. Yeah. I'll watch the first episode. I'll give. Yeah, most I probably will as well. But yeah, a lot of teen drama. Yeah. 
And then uh, I did watch one other trailer. It's actually the second trailer they released on the uh, Dunkirk movie. Oh, yeah. Okay, the first one was just basically World War II soldiers in a ship, and you can hear planes dive bombing. I mean, that's pretty much all you see. You can hear very loud planes dive bombing. Yes, yes. This one here, we learned a lot more about it, and there's a little bit more online about it. And essentially what it is is – I don't know if it's a true story or not. But basically British Empire, Canadian, and and French soldiers are surrounded by the German army, and they are trying to evacuate these soldiers – while basically they're running across open beaches, being in open boats in the water, and the Germans are just massacring these soldiers as they're trying to evacuate these soldiers from this 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 uh, this war zone, this battlefront, if you will. And um, second trail looks really good too. I, I, I'm not going to go to the theaters to see it, but this is definitely going to be a. I'm going to watch this movie. You're not going to go see it with Irvin. <sighs> Possibly. It's possibly. Okay. It just seemed like something that you two would. You're right. No, that is an Irvin movie, so possibly, but yeah. Cool. So that's it for me. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have any other trailers. The only two things that I had left were the pieces of news that I'm sure everybody's heard about, but I just wanted to touch upon. Uh, yep. George Michael passed away. Yeah, that was last night. That was yeah, just, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. They said it was peaceful in his sleep at his home, but I mean, yeah. it was only what, like fifty three or something. I didn't know he was sick or anything. I hadn't heard anything. I didn't but, either. They, they're saying know. that it might have been heart failure, but yeah, damn. Well, we have seen that you know years and years of abuse of uh, drugs will cause you some problems when you get older, even when you're clean. That's true. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Carrie Fisher, massive heart attack. Yeah. On a plane. She's upgraded to stable condition. I'm very glad about that. Yep. I, I was not looking forward to 2016 claiming someone like her. I know. There's been too many this year already. There really has. I, I'm upset about George Michael, but I think between the two of them, I'd rather keep Carrie Fisher. Yep. And, Agreed. Uh, yeah. I think that's about all I got this week. Cool. Lightweight episode. We didn't have a lot to go on, but yeah. Do we want to give people another week and really break it down in great detail next week? I suppose we could do that. We'll, we'll give I, I, one more. Let's week. be nice, guys. All right. It's Christmas after all. Let's well, be nice, guys. Let's give people one more week because you all know, right. I, I'm just going to touch base. I'm just going to say just very vague statements. I loved the movie. Yep. I loved the movie. Rude loved the movie. Wow. His, his critique was so nitpicky <laughs> that he even said, but I'm being overly nitpicky. Um, but yeah, I just, the, the Vader scene. <laughs> I've know, seen it three just, times now. Oh, and love the movie. Yep. Uh, I had one friend, Petrie, who, uh, yeah, he was nitpicky on it as well, but he he had some pretty valid concerns. But then I said, "Well, I saw it this way." So then we watched it together, and he was like, "Nope, you're right, you were nice, nice." So uh, he liked it much better the second time. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So let's just give people one more week, and then we'll next week we'll sit down 
and we will rip it – not rip it apart, but we will break it down. That's right. Break it down, every bit of it, everything you got to know, everything you might have missed. And I'm just going to say multiple times I'm going to say it's awesome. Yes. Or I loved it. I'm going to use the – I'm just going to use the same adjective over and over again. (laughs) And it won't be CW. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, I guess that sums us up this week. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, I'd love to hear your opinions, comments, questions, concerns, or whatnot. You can find me on the Twitter machine at SuperstarML. And I am the Quantum Geek, G33K. Show us at What Did You Watch? Don't forget our What Did You Watch this week Facebook presence. And yeah, thanks. Thanks.